Amen, amen, amen. Welcome to the Sanctuary Church. We are so thrilled that you are here today. If you are one of our first-time guests, one of our returning guests, we welcome you today in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you're here. So glad you're back. We are glad to see what the Lord is going to do in your life today. Uh, I am just excited to see what the Lord has already done. We've already experienced the presence of the Lord in the house. Amen. Thankful that the name above all names, Jesus Christ, that this Lord and Savior is with us. Presence of God is in the house today, and I am thrilled that you are here. Of course, uh, I would like to take a moment and introduce our special speaker today, uh, Dr. David K. Bernard, Sister Connie Bernard is with us. They're going to be ministering here. We are so grateful that they are here. Um, 2006, Pastor, uh, you approached us. We were leave somewhere in Indiana at the time and serving on staff and uh, we were making a transition we were at a, a conference in St. Louis and you approached us sharing I'd like to continue this idea of planting churches in the greater Austin area and uh, at the time we didn't know that Cedar Park was going to be the place where we would land where we would come and visit and I'm grateful that you invited us to be a part of what God is doing here in the Central Texas area. And really because of both of your visions uh, to see churches planted in this area, the sanctuary of Cedar Park exists today. And so I am grateful that y'all are here with us. They say that you can never really do anything well or successful in ministry without a pastor and someone that is going to hold you accountable uh, as well as speak life, hope, but sometimes the tough sayings into your life. And we have given both of you that kind of permission into our lives. At any time you have something to share, uh, please do so. I know you have over the years. But we are so grateful that Pastor Bernard is with us, Sister Bernard is with us. We would like to welcome them today in Jesus' name, sanctuary. Let's give them a hand today as they minister. So good to be with you this morning. And I'm so thankful that wherever we are, my 
I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful for his blood. I'm thankful for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we love you. We love you, Lord. It's a microphone. Let's just worship him right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Would you worship? Why don't we stand together? Let's worship the Lord together. There's a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. At the end of the day, it's all about serving the Lord, worshiping the one true God who gave himself for us as the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lamb of God. The Lamb for sinners slain. Our only hope today is in Jesus Christ. We look at the turmoil around us in our nation, our world. It can be discouraging at times, but I challenge you, look to Jesus. He's the answer to every question. He supplies every need. He gives us hope. Praise God. Praise God. If, you, if you'll remain standing, I'm going to read from 1 Kings chapter 10. It's a story of the Queen of Sheba who came to visit King Solomon of Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 7. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came. And mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. And so I want to preach to you today for a little while, hearing and seeing. We have a message and an experience that you can hear and see and receive. You may be seated. Hearing and seeing. Now, I want to make a few statements before I get into my message. I certainly appreciate the kind introduction of Pastor Mel, and we we love and appreciate uh, the Reddies, Pastor Mel and Lisa Reddy, and we're thankful for the tr- tremendous work of God they've done in establishing this church in Cedar Park. Amen. A beautiful sanctuary, a beautiful congregation. It takes a lot of hard work. We just came back, both of us, from Orlando, uh, Florida, where... The United Pentecostal Church International has an annual uh, seminar or training uh, session called Launch where we talk about establishing new churches in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, so I go there every year and teach. My wife and I started New Life Austin now 29 years ago. And uh, so they uh, were asked this year to be some of the instructors for that time. They did a great job, as you might expect. And we had a great time of fellowship. But I was encouraged because there were 140 men and women in that training session, uh, most of whom planned to start a church soon. Uh, Plus, I think it was about 40 online, plus the entire um, student body of Northeast Christian College in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. They still can't come to the U.S. because of the COVID travel restrictions, so they watched online as a student body. And I was so encouraged and thrilled 
to think that with everything going on in our nation, you sometimes wonder, what is the answer? What can we do? <laughs> what politician should we vote for? What policy should we, you know, what law should we try to adopt? What's the solution for this? And what's the solution for that? And it seems like nobody has common sense anymore. And nobody can work together to come up with real solutions to real problems. But then I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, the hope of this nation lies in this room and others like them. As we plant churches, as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, lives are changed, communities are transformed, the nation is impacted. That's what we need more than anything else. And I've come to tell you today, we do have a message that is tangible. We have a message you can hear and then you can see it and then you can experience it, and it will change your life. We have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God. You know, traditionally, there have been many churches strong in the Word, and when people believe that the Bible is God's Word, and when people have a basic a belief in Christian morality, churches like that can grow. But if you haven't noticed, uh, the U.S., and right here in the Austin metro area in particular, we're now in what you might call a post-Christian culture where most people don't really believe the Bible and they don't even know what the Bible teaches. And if you show them what the Bible says, they don't necessarily think that makes a big difference. But we are apostolic Pentecostal people, which means we believe that God's Spirit works in our lives. We certainly believe the Bible is the Word of God, but we have an experience that corresponds to the Word. And so even if someone doesn't know the world or doesn't believe the word, we can meet with them and pray with them and minister to their needs and God can touch them. And then they will realize, well, there must be something to this after all. So churches that have the word only are in decline in our nation today. Churches that try to follow the spirit only, well, they too are struggling because it's kind of like a body without a skeleton or a building without a foundation. Uh, you might have a great experience or story, but if you don't have a solid foundation of truth, then it's going to crumble over time. But I'm here to tell you, you're in a place where we believe in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We're going to preach the truth, but we're going to tell you, you can have an experience that matches the Word. You can have a personal relationship with God. This is a message that works in a world that doesn't really know truth. We have hearing and seeing. We have the Word and the Spirit. We have a message that works in your everyday life. And so in my text, 1 Kings chapter 10, the Old Testament, the Queen of Sheba heard an amazing report about King Solomon all of his riches and building the amazing temple in Jerusalem as well as his palace. She didn't really believe all that could be true, but she was intrigued enough to take the journey to find out. And when she arrived, she realized it was even greater than what she had heard. And so she confessed the half was not even told. What I heard was more than matched by what I saw. And not only did I see it, but I experienced it for myself. She said, I watched your servants going up and down. I realized how happy they must be. So something touched her heart. It was more than external splendor and glory. But there was the anointing of God upon that king and his kingdom that she, she was transformed. Something touched her heart. 
And I'm saying the same thing can happen today. You know, when Jesus was born, the story in Luke chapter 2, some angels appeared to the shepherds and began to announce. And they, they sang the wonderful song and they told the shepherds, go to this certain place, you're going to find this baby. He's actually the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies of the ages. He's the Savior and the Lord. And the Bible says the shepherds came and they saw. And they too had an experience that glorifying God because as they left, they began to worship. So Luke chapter 2 and verse 20 says they both heard and saw. They returned glorifying God for what they had heard and seen. In other words, we can have a definite experience with God. They heard and saw the angel's message. They saw the baby Jesus who was the fulfillment of the prophecy. They went their way worshiping a definite experience with God. We see this in the Old Testament. There are many prophecies and there's typology or foreshadowings of truth. Uh, in, by example, God began to speak to his people. The message was proclaimed. The people heard it. But then we come to the Gospels. Jesus is born. He began to minister. He did miracles. He died. He was buried. But then he rose again and ascended to heaven. And so all that the Old Testament prophesied was fulfilled in Jesus. We, the people there saw the miracles, the signs, the wonders. The people could actually see what God had promised. But now we live in the New Testament age. Jesus has ascended to heaven. He established his church on the day of Pentecost. And so we're now living in this time where we can hear it, whether it's preached or we read it, of course, in the Bible. We can see it enacted as we watch the gospel stories, but we can now experience for ourselves. We can enter into that story. We can be one of those people that Jesus healed. We can be one of those people whom Jesus delivered. We can step into that story. We can hear it, we can see it, and we can receive it. Praise God. And so if you read the book of Acts, you see God's plan unfolding. So in Acts 1, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told the disciples, he said, go back and wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon everyone, and you'll receive power. He said, you'll be baptized with the spirit. Now, the word baptized literally means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. So the imagery is this person is inundated, overwhelmed, submerged in God's spirit. Whatever that must mean, it's got to be overwhelming. It's more than just making a confession of faith. It's more than just signing a membership role. It's more than just feeling good. It's more than just, well, that was an interesting sermon or that was a beautiful song. No, this is a powerful experience that overwhelms your life. Praise God. I use the example sometime. Uh, have you ever walked outside and the, the clouds are uh, hanging low and uh, the, the weather report says it's going to rain and you're just wondering, uh, you know, do I have time to do what I uh, get to do before, what I need to do before the, you know, the, the flood comes, I'm going to be inundated, should I take an umbrella, what should I do? And then you stop and you say, was that a drop? Did, did I just feel that? Is that raining? And so you're looking around, did I imagine that or did it happen? But now if, if I'm at the swimming pool and uh, fully clothed and then somebody pushes me in, 
and I struggle and get back out, I don't say, now, uh, did I get wet? Uh, Was that a drop of water? It's undeniable. So you can come to church or you can read the Bible or, or you can watch TV or listen to the radio or somebody can talk to you and you can say, I felt something. I think I felt something. Now, now, was that God or was that just the nice music? Was that just eloquent speech? Was that the spirit? You know, I'm not sure. Well, maybe I'm saved. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I accepted Christ as my Savior. Maybe I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't know if I do. No, you can have an experience with God where you repent of your sins. You confess your sins to God. You surrender your life to God. You can be filled with God's Spirit. You can be baptized into God's Spirit. You speak in tongues, a language you never learn as the Spirit takes over. You know something happened. You know, I did not do that. I did not make that happen. I did not imagine that. I did not dream that. I got plunged into the deep end. We can all have a personal experience with God just like that. So in Acts chapter 2, 120 people, not only the 12 disciples, but also Mary, the mother of Jesus, some of the women who had followed him faithfully throughout his ministry, his four half-brothers who didn't really believe on him during his earthly life, but when they saw him rise from the dead, well then, you know, they, they believed that their big brother was more than just their big brother. Um, and, and then uh, others, 120 believers waited. And the Bible says there were sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And, and so they could, they could hear the sound of the coming of the Spirit. And then it says there were tongues of fire, flames sat on each head. They could see each person being touched by the presence of God. And so then they begin to realize, hey, this is for every one of us. This is for you. This is for me. And then as their faith reached its peak of receiving, they, the Bible, so this is something they heard, then they saw it, but it doesn't stop there. They opened their hearts and received it. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What they heard coming from afar off. What they saw landing on each person, they personally received and experienced. That's what God wants for every one of us today. And as they begin speaking in tongues, here are 120 people, Galileans, fishermen, farmers, and uh, they're dressed accordingly, but they're in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and thousands of other people have come from different nations, Jewish people, but raised throughout the nations of the Middle East, speaking Arabic and Latin and, and all the various nations, 15 languages are mentioned, and and as these new believers, newly filled with the Spirit, begin, begin worshiping and speaking in tongues and bursting out of the room that they were in and glorifying God, well, naturally, this attracted a large crowd of people because they could hear the sound of all the worship. And then when they ran up to the scene, they could see all these people acting in strange ways, no doubt many raising their hands or clapping their hands or, or dancing or jumping or laughing. Or, and they could actually see them speaking vibrantly, urgently, you know, rapidly. 
Have you ever have you ever seen someone talking in language you don't know? Maybe you're standing there and two people are conversing in some language you don't know. It, it can be fascinating because you don't understand what's being said, but you do see there's communication. And depending on the language, you know, uh, it, it sounds rapid fire. It, it sounds, you know, in, in my my personal um, example is, you know, you people speaking Russian, they sound like they're angry at each other, you know, from from an American perspective. Or somebody speaking French, it sounds like they're speaking rapidly, too fast for anybody to possibly understand. Or maybe they're speaking through their nose. German, you know, it's they're, they're coughing a lot or, 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 you know, clearing their throat a lot or something, you know, but, it, it, but it's fascinating. You can, but you can actually see it. You can hear it, but you can see it. It's an interesting experience. And so as the crowds gathered, some people begin to marvel. They said, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure that person must be from Galilee from the way they're dressed, but they're speaking pure Latin without an accent. The Latin that I was raised in, how is that possible? And somebody else said, well, that guy right next to them is speaking Arabic. How is that possible? And, and, and so they begin to marvel. Others begin mocking. Said, well, I don't know what that person's saying. They must be drunk. They're babbling, but I don't, it's no language I know. They're, they're just, they're just, going crazy. They're drunk. And, and so the Bible says they begin to ask, what does this mean? They're asking about this, what they saw, what they heard and saw. And so as the crowd began to murmur, some marveling, some mocking, the apostle Peter stood up. All the other apostles stood with him. It's pretty significant. Here's really the only place in the whole Bible you have all 12 apostles standing at the same place at the same time, giving the same message, and as we'll find out, asking, answering the question, how to be saved. And so the apostle Peter stood up and he said, I'll tell you what this means. What you're hearing and what you're seeing, this speaking in tongues, no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't know if he would make that argument today, but, you know, at least in first century Palestine, that, you know, that would be pretty unusual. And, and so he says, look, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, they're not drunk. What's happening is from the Old Testament is a prophecy of Joel. He said in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. They're not drunk, but, that, but something is being poured out. It's not alcohol. It's not, it's not wine but it's the presence and power of Almighty God. <laughs> Praise God. God is pouring out here spirit upon all flesh. He said the men, the women, the young, the old, people of every ethnicity, God is doing this even on servants and handmaidens, people that are considered in, in the lower social class, in God's plan, Everybody gets to receive God's gift. Everybody gets to experience God's presence. And everybody gets to participate in God's plan. The new age has dawned. It's a new beginning. This is what's happening. And when you go down to Acts chapter, uh, so then, then the apostle Peter uses that opportunity to preach. And he preaches about Jesus. He talks about how Jesus died, but he was buried. He rose again. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He, he's the Savior. He's the God of the Old Testament manifesting the flesh to be your Savior. So in essence, he's preaching all that. But then he starts giving an appeal. In Acts 2.33, he says, God has planned 
to pour out this same spirit on you, which you now see and hear. The same thing you just heard that brought you running to see what in the world was going on. The same thing you saw of these 120 people, something was happening to them and you watched it. The same thing you heard and the same thing you saw, God wants to give it to you. It's the plan of the Lord Jesus. He died, but he rose again. As a human being, he's now exalted. He is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. So Jesus, the same one I preached to you about, that many of you saw crucified a few weeks earlier. He's not dead. He's alive. He's exalted to the right hand of God. He is the position of all authority. And if you'll pray to him, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a new life, and he'll fill you with his spirit, the same spirit you have just heard and seen before your eyes. And so the people were convicted of their sins. And they, their heart was stirred. And they, they were cut to the heart, the Bible says. And they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? They, they, could, they could see it. They could feel it. They could hear it. They knew this was not made up. They knew this was not a, a dramatic presentation. They knew this was not just a pretty song. They knew this was not just eloquence of speech. They could see the transformation on the lives of these people. They could feel the intangible presence of God stirring them. They, they were convicted, hardened sinners. People a few weeks ago who had yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah, kill him. He deserves to die. They were cut to the heart. Said, what have I done? I'm the sinner. I'm the one who's done wrong. They knew it was real. In Acts 2.38, the apostle Peter with all the others said, if you're really serious about this, you need to repent of your sins. You're already on the right track. You're, what you're feeling is right. You need to tell God you're sorry for your sins and you want to live for him. Then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We'll, we'll immerse you in water. And when we're immersing you in water, you're identifying with Jesus. You're burying your old life so that you can rise to a new life. You're asking the Lord to wash your sins away so you can come up clean and fresh with a new beginning. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That same experience you just watched, that same experience that drew you, it was curiosity, but it was more than curiosity. It was the Spirit of God drawing you. You have an appointment with destiny. You too can be filled with the same spirit and your life can be changed. What you heard and what you saw is for you too. And that's what we preach. That's our message today. We preach the same thing today. It's a definite experience that will change your life. It's more than a good feeling. But it's a definite experience where you can be plunged and filled. You see, it's all imagery of trying to describe what really can't be described in fullness. But it's just like if I take a cup and I baptize it in a, 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 a body of water, 
baptize it in the bathtub and I pull it up, it's going to be filled, right? So while it got baptized, it also got filled. So while you're being plunged beneath God's spirit, you come up filled. You come up different. You come up transformed, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And it becomes a new way of life. You know, I remember many years ago, my wife and I were ministering in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was fascinated. Many of our churches have deaf ministry. So you have deaf people who come to church, and so you'll have an interpreter that interprets in American Sign Language, which is actually a different language. It's not just English. They actually have a language. Well, in this service, we saw the typical interpreter for the deaf, but one of the deaf men was also blind. So he could not see the interpreter. So a second interpreter had to sit by him and hold his hand and was signing into his hand. Okay, the preacher is preaching in English. That's me. The interpreter is interpreting in sign language for the deaf, and a second interpreter is signing into the deaf, blind man. So he's deaf, blind, and mute. Now, he couldn't hear the music. He couldn't hear... If there was eloquence of speech, he couldn't hear that. He couldn't see me jumping around. You know, he couldn't see me raise my hand. So, you know, you, you know, if I want to try to get you excited, I could, I could raise my voice and hope somebody gets excited. I could jump and somebody gets excited. At least somebody wakes up, gets their attention or something. None of that worked. Well, towards the end of the message, the power of God began to move. And people started weeping started speaking tongues, started worshiping, started raising their hands. Well, I suppose he could have felt some vibration. I guess if enough people were jumping, maybe he felt something. But basically, he's oblivious to all the other social clues. So everybody's rejoicing and worshiping. It's a move of God. He has no way of knowing there was a move of God. But I saw him begin to respond. I saw the power of God begin to fall upon him. I saw him begin to worship. I saw him begin to respond, to raise his hands, to jump up and down. And I said, you know what? We're hearing it and we're seeing it, but something is going on in the realm of the spirit that is even more than what we can see or hear. That man is being touched by the presence of God. He's not responding to what he hears because he can't hear anything. He's not responding to what he sees because he can't see anything. He's responding to the presence of God. Praise God. And that's what's happening here. Now, I think my wife sang pretty good. And I'm trying to do the best I can preaching. But I'm not relying just on what you hear and see. Because what I'm feeling right now is a witness of the Holy Ghost. God is saying, I showed up. I came to the appointment. I'm here to touch human hearts. I'm here to forgive sin. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to fill those who are empty. I'm here 
to give food to the hungry. I'm here to give water to the thirsty. I'm here to give direction. I'm here to encourage you. If you're struggling at home or in your marriage or, or on your job or, or maybe just what's going on in, in our society, and it's just really troubled you. Maybe you have been oppressed or victimized. Maybe some things of years gone by are coming to light and all the events are stirring you up. I want you to know the Lord is here to meet your need, to fill you, to baptize you, to transform you. And it goes beyond what you can hear or what you can see. I'll tell you another testimony. This is September 2009 at New Life Austin, our, our previous location. I was still the pastor at that time. And it was very interesting. We had a large congregation. I don't know how many hundreds were in the building in that particular time, but we were having a service. And uh, we had started uh, several Spanish-speaking churches. In fact, we'd started two out of that building. But what would happen is um, other people would come. You know, people bring their friends or people that live close by that spoke Spanish better than English. So even though we had started other Spanish-speaking churches and they had moved to their own location, had their own building, yet we had some Spanish people coming to the main service. And so we had some headphones, and we had one of our people was translating the service into Spanish so the Spanish-speaking people could understand it. And we had uh, some deaf people, so we had an interpreter for American Sign Language. And also that night, uh, one of our families, we had a number of immigrants from Africa, from many countries, and one of our immigrant men who had received the Holy Spirit was from Sudan. His, his mom was visiting from Sudan, and, uh, and, and his, his, uh, his wife was from Chad, so she did not speak the tribal language, but she could speak Arabic. So she would communicate with her mother-in-law in Arabic. And this woman had been raised Muslim, but through the witness of her family, she had begun to accept that Jesus is the true Savior. So she had already come to that point of believing in Jesus Christ. And she'd come to visit her son in America. And so she was sitting in the pew since she didn't know any English. Her daughter, daughter-in-law was quietly whispering, translating the a message into Arabic for her. And as a pastor, I was thinking, wow, this is cool, isn't it? You know, here we are preaching in English. At the same time, it's in Spanish. At the same time, it's in sign language. At the same time, it's in Arabic. Four different languages going on right here. That's pretty cool. But what the Lord did was even more amazing. That night, he poured out his spirit, and it just so happened four people received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues in that service. One of them was listening in English, and they spoke in tongues. One of them was listening on the headphones in Spanish. They received the Holy Ghost. One was deaf and was watching in sign language. He received the Holy Ghost, and sure enough, the lady that was listening in Arabic, she received the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? People speaking four different languages in the same service all receive the same experience of God filling them with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. This experience is not limited to somebody who's American or somebody who's black or somebody who's white or somebody who's this or somebody who's that. This experience is for everybody. It's something we can see and something we can hear and something you can receive. You can experience for yourself and you can know it's true 
because it happened to you. Some people say it can't happen anymore. Well, how do you explain it? It happened to me. It was like the man who was blind in John chapter 9. Jesus came by and healed him. And he now could see, and people were shocked. They said, I thought you were blind. I've seen you begging at the side of the road for years. What happened to you? He said, I'm healed. I'm, Jesus came and healed me. And so they brought him before the religious leaders, and they said, we, we know this Jesus is, is, is a false prophet. You know, he couldn't do things like that. You need to tell the truth. You, you weren't really blind. And they talked to his parents. His parents said, yeah, he's, he, he was blind, all right? That's our son. Yeah, he was blind. Yeah, he does see. Well, what happened? Well, they, they, were already, they realized they were on the spot. They said, well, we don't know. We know he's our son. We know he's blind. We know he can see. But as for what happened, you're going to have to ask him. He's an adult. He'll speak for himself. Don't get, leave us out of it. And they said, you need to give God the glory. We know this man, Jesus, couldn't heal you. He's, he's a sinner. The blind, blind man said, well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't really have that much knowledge. But he says, I know one thing. I was blind, and now I see. You can't tell me nothing happened to me. You can't tell me Jesus didn't do anything. You can't tell me Jesus didn't change my life. Because I know once I was blind, but now I see. That's the power of a personal testimony. Oh, let's stand together right now. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was in sin, but I've been set free. Once I was bound, but now I'm free. Oh, praise God. I heard it. I saw it. And I received it. Let's worship the Lord together right now. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. The presence of the Lord is here. Now many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And my message is to you is to confirm what God has done. You may not have all the answers to all the questions. You may have something happen in church that you don't agree with or you don't understand or this or that but just go back to your experience with God and match it to the word of God I had a young woman in our church years ago she was from a well-to-do family she was an alcoholic by her own testimony she was an alcoholic for four years going to AA she even went to psychiatric treatment but she came in to the church and God filled her with the Holy Spirit great experience she was instantly delivered but her family was not happy with her going to such a church. They wanted her to go to their tradition. And they said, oh, you, you know, you've always been a Christian. You've always had the Holy Spirit your whole life. You were baptized as a baby. You've always been saved. You've always had the Spirit. You've always been, you don't have to go to that church. So she came to me so confused. She's saying, when I come here and hear you preach, I know it's real, it's true. But then when I go talk to my family, they convince me it's all nothing. I said, wait a minute. You told me you were an alcoholic. And you told me God has delivered you. Did that happen when you were a baby? Did that happen when you were growing up? Did that happen when you were talking to your family? She said, what happened that day after I talked to you and came to church and I was praying. She says, God filled me with the Holy Spirit and changed my life. I said, okay. We don't have to attack or criticize your family or their church or whatever they believe, whatever they're doing. But what you have is in the Bible, right? Yes. I said, and you've received what we read about in the Bible, right? She said, yes. I said, okay. You got the Bible, and you got your experience. 
You just stand on that. You heard it. You saw it. And you received it. Don't let anybody else tell you it's not real. That was many years ago. That was 1996. She's still in the church today. So if you have gone or are going through any trial or crisis or difficulty or just the hardship of life or maybe struggling in church, take this message today to confirm his word. No matter what hurt or pain or disappointment or discouragement, even in church, God is real. The message is true. You heard it for yourself. You saw it, and then you received it. Hold on to that and do not let it go. Just hold on like a bulldog, and you're going to be okay. You're going to come through it, and God is going to supply your need. God will either answer your questions or give you the grace to deal with unanswered questions. God will do whatever is needed. In time of trouble, don't run away from the church. Don't run away from the pastor. Run to the church. Run to the pastor. Don't run away from God. Run to God. Oh, I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking to somebody today in the Holy Ghost. If you'll just stay close to the church, stay close to the pastor, stay close to the Spirit of God, you're going to be okay. You're going to plow through this. You're going to rejoice on the other side. You're going to have victory. You're going to look back and say, yes, it really was true. I know it for myself. I heard about it, but the half was not told. I thought I knew it, but I know twice as much now because I've been through it. I'm on the other side. Would you close your eyes with me? So if there's somebody, you're maybe you're new or you've been coming a while or you're not sure you agree or understand everything, but, but you do feel the presence of God. I just want to say, if you're, if you're not really living for the Lord Jesus Christ, today you can make a start. And I know we practice social distancing, but there's room here. Whatever you're comfortable with, mask or whatever you feel comfortable with, we respect that. But if you'd like to come to the front, kneel or stand, and just give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're one of those that has experienced some drops, or at least maybe you think you have. Or maybe you really have. I don't disparage that. But if you'd like to be inundated, there's an experience that many people in this room can tell you. It's real. It's transforming. It can fill you. It can overwhelm you. It can transform you. If you'll come humbly repenting of your sins, confessing your need to God and surrender your life, in a few minutes you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and you'll have a confirmation of what God is telling you. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, why don't you come today? If you'll just come. If you feel led to invite someone who's your friend, you say, I want, I want to come, with, but I want you to come with me. Why don't you do that? Maybe you need a personal renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you, but you, you just need a definite outpouring or infilling. Why don't you come right now? Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need a deliverance. Maybe you're struggling and you need strength from God. Maybe you need fresh direction. If you don't come to the front, you can stand or kneel where you are. That's okay. But while we're in this atmosphere, would we pray? I'm getting ready to turn this back to Pastor Reddy, to the music team, whatever y'all want to do. But can we just take a few minutes to pray? 
Can we seek after God? I've tried to preach it today. You can hear it. You can see it on the people around you. But you can receive it for yourself. All across the building, church, let's call upon the Lord. Let's pray. Let's seek God. Would you like to come and pray? We'll pray with you. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's take a few minutes to call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To let God do what he wants to do. It's time to let God work. It's time to let God pour out his spirit. It's time for God to set you free. It's time for God to break the chains. It's time for God to lift the depression. It's time for God to remove the oppression. It's time for God to step in. It's time for God to show up. It's time for God to shake your life in a good way and put things where they need to be. Come on, church, help me pray. Hallelujah. This is a place where the Spirit is moving. In the name of Jesus, let's make this entire place a place of prayer. Somebody needs healing today. Somebody needs deliverance today. Would you begin to reach out to God right where you are? Begin to raise your hand and say, God, I need you. I need you. Saturate me, God. Transform me, God. I surrender to you right now. I repent, God. I am sorry, God, for my sin. I'm sorry, God, for anything that's holding me back today from serving you. God, I need deliverance. I need healing. I need salvation. The Spirit of God is here. God is ministering to you. God is releasing you to do what only you can do. Oh, can we just begin to love the Lord, begin to thank Him for His love and for His goodness. Let's make this entire place a place of prayer. The presence of Jesus is here. Jesus is in the house to heal you, to deliver you, to direct you. Let's all praise God. Let's reach out to God in faith. In the name of Jesus.